Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. What's up, Tamarino amigos? We're back. Hello, hello. All right, y'all. Today we are talking to Joana Toruño, a Salvadorian-born migrant artist and creator of the Unapologetic Street series. Their work focuses on the importance of queer folks in the arts and storytelling through accessible art in public spaces. How exciting. Yes, but before we get into that, we're going to catch up a little... So I just got back. Yes, Ana Shea, we're here in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, we are recording from Brenda's beautiful apartment. We're trying to stay as dry as possible. My, because... Don't mind the echoes, y'all. We're not in the studio. <laughs> Girl, I have to say, I did not have the warmest welcome back to L.A. So that made me think a lot about like transitions and how to navigate through them because... All right, so I I arrived. I'm I'm I moved into a somewhat furnished place, but not fully furnished. But you know, the last few days right before I moved out, I was doing a million things. Absolutely, like and marathon. The <laughs> last thing I thought about, Brenda, the last thing I thought about was like, what's the weather gonna be like in LA? I didn't think like, oh, it might be rainy. Oh, it might be cold. Oh, do I have bedding in my new apartment? <laughs> oh no so you're like coming to LA and it's like super super cold spell and you don't even have bedding. In Girl, your I got to my apartment. <laughs> I I didn't have it. There were no there were I had furniture, but I didn't have no I didn't have no blankets, Brenda. Oh, no. So my first night, Pobrecita. Sleep, I was sleeping with a sweatshirt and a jacket. Yeah, see nada más. That was it. So sad. Yeah, and then this rainy weather. I didn't even have. I've been borrowed a jacket. So it made me think a lot of a lot about transitions. I was really excited to come back to LA. I feel like it really felt like. The land sort of called me back. I know that sounds kind of woo-woo and, and weird, but it, it felt right to come back here when I really sat with it. So I was excited about it. But one of the things that that kind of welcomed, it made me think, you know what? Like transitions are hard, even if you're going back to a place that you already know and have connections with. Such no a big change. Absolutely. No matter what, they're, they're hard. And the other thing that kind of that I thought about was like, the, the energy, even though I know this place, it's different, right? It's changed. The energy's different. I'm different. Absolutely. And it's been two years, of it's course. It's been two years. And and so instead of, you know, I think we can mourn. I think it's fair and valid sometimes to mourn. Like when you go back to a place, you know, like you're kind of expecting in a way you kind of want things to be how you left them. But that's just that that's not how life is. Right. So how can you how can we both mourn like what something was, but let it go and now think about, OK, well, I'm different. This place is different. I have a foundation that's really beautiful with this city. Like I feel very connected to the city. How can I go from there? And now, like, build on on that and create something new and beautiful with who I am and who this place is now, right? So that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. Because when I arrived, I kind of was like, oh, shoot, like, I don't, maybe this place isn't, like, isn't going to be as welcome or, like, the same thing they knew. And I'm like, that's okay, because ultimately, the thing that's always, change is always constant. That's ¿verdad? the only constant. Change is always <laughs> constant. You can only count on change. Right, yes, but, absolutely. <laughs> right, and the most important, what I was thinking about is, like, growth comes from embracing change transformation comes from embracing change and and it doesn't come when you resist change so that's kind of a the mindset i'm coming into this beautiful what can be a beautiful transition and it's okay that i like can you know give a little bit of love for what it was when i left tambien you know well good well we're really happy to have you back here in los angeles and thank, thank you, you for Brenda. those wonderful words and reflections on transitions 
I'm sure everybody has experienced them. We all experienced this pandemic as a huge transition, transition, so to say. For so, sure. And I'm mean, reflection think, on that. Right. And I think one of the beautiful things coming into going back to a place, going into a place, how can you make yourself feel comfortable and connected as quickly as possible? And we got to do something last night. We we're recording on Friday. Last night, we got to do community we're events. Way before you're hearing this, y'all. We're recording this way before you're hearing this. Happy Women's History Month, by the way. But you're going to basically in the future, you're going to hear us reflect to the past. <laughs> yes. So, yes, we just got back from having a wonderful opportunity for you and Ashayla especially to reconnect and engage so we had our our third annual intention setting event but we were able to do this in person connect with many of our listeners so if you all are listening and you were there we just want to send you so much love while, while this is all fresh with us and your remarks and your thoughts and your reflections on transitions really makes me think about the gentleman that was part of our audience we had a lot of a lot of gals but we had one gentleman and uh, a couple actually but this gentleman, um, I really was so, so inspired by him because first of all, he, he, oh, he told us, cause we had a lot of sh sharing. He told us that he's had issues with, um, opening up to other people, but he decided, you know what? I need to confront this fear. I'm going to go to this gathering from these podcasts, this podcast that I listen to. I know that it's probably going to be all women and, uh, and I'm going to share. And this is like, he like plunged, right? He took a plunge into that transition and I just want to send him some love. I'm really glad. And, and he resisted sharing and, until I know, the very and, end. And Shayla kept giving him the eyes. I like, did. Does did anybody else want to share? Did you see me giving him the oh, eyes? Yes, like <laughs> the, the eyes were felt in the room and he did share and he, and he, and, and um, revealed all that for us and it was just so powerful so just mucho cariño and lots of love to our listeners and uh, listeners that, that are far away and aren't able to join us in person for things like that um, we just we, we still think of you and we love you and an extra love to the folks that were able to join us yesterday which is really a couple weeks ago by the time you're hearing this yeah so beautiful and what what else is there anything else Brenda you want to share um, oh actually speaking of transitions is there anything that's helped you navigating Transitions, whether it's job, relationships, moves. Well, uh, as you're talking about transitions, what I have learned about myself in the past three years is that I'm actually really great at transitions. Yeah. And I didn't think I was. Yeah. And for folks that may not know, when the pandemic hit, we ran away from L.A. and we went to go live near Joshua Tree where my husband Jeff grew up in 29 Palms and got to stay there. And this is a, a town that in my my misconception of it, I thought it was like, there's nobody there. There's nothing to do. I always thought it was a pass through town, but I got to spend four months there. And I even imagined I could live here. I could actually live in the desert. <laughs> so I, I, I recognize that in myself, that I'm very adaptable, that I can adapt to different things. And in the last few years, I've definitely adapted in that I, for the most part, have been consulting versus having a regular nine to five. I've been juggling different things. I've been exploring writing. I I can actually say I'm a writer, y'all. I, I will be credited in a fiction story podcast. I will be credited in telling live stories a couple of times. And maybe one of these days I'll do stand up comedy. That's on my on my to do list. But that's what I've observed. And I'm really excited to recognize that in me is that I can I could do transitions I'm good at these so it's exciting for me and it's exciting for you that you're gonna adjust to a new LA and a new Anna Shayla in LA 100 percent yeah 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 I've definitely observed how adaptable you are Brenda it is very inspiring and I think for me like I got in my feelings that first night and then when I woke up the next day I was like all right 
twist. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to feel good about this, like what are the things you can do right away? And I right away was like, all right, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy the things I can, I can buy to make myself comfortable. I'm going to start connecting with folks. I'm going to look for events and, and just do the things that make me feel at home and connected. And so that's what I did. Yeah. And I, one more thing as you're telling this, because yeah. again, the, this event that we just had is fresh on our mind. Yeah. We talked about challenging the stories and misconceptions and beliefs that we sometimes um, tell ourselves, but uh, and, and to challenge them with evidence. And the evidence yeah. is you you moved to yeah. another country, you yeah. moved to Mexico and you did super hard things there. For so sure. coming for back sure. to L.A. will be a breeze. Oh, and and sure. it's a new L.A. I'm so glad that for you're sure. on the east side, too, by the way. I know we're so close so now, excited. y'all. And today it was like a little bit like hazardous getting over here because of the rain. <laughs> Yes, but yes. I made it. I made it. I made si it. Si se puede. Si se, si se puede. <laughs> oh, and you know what else was helpful? Yeah, it kind of reminded myself. I snapped out of it and I was like, girl, you could do this. Like, what are you talking about? Like, girl, you, you have agency, you have power and you're, you're also very adaptable. Like I reminded I had to remind myself of that after I got over my feelings. And then my mom, she was so I mean, mom's shout out to moms. My mommy, Always my and mommy's, forever. Mommy's yeah. the, my mommy's the best. But she both held space for me kind of having a, a hard first night. But then also, and in a way that didn't feel, made, didn't make me feel bad or anything like that, she kind of reminded me of like what it was like for us to move from Mexico to, to, to the U.S. the first time when we, when we were little and what that struggle was like for, for us. And that was not easy. And we also know folks have way, way. How old were you when you came? Five. You're five. I was four and I still remember it being hard. Like, yeah, I like they, they had, they had no, fur- they had no furniture. We had no furniture when we moved, like didn't have money to buy all the things we needed. And my mom and my dad, they just handled, you know, I was like, yeah, like I can both feel that it was a little bit of a hard first night, but also recognize how privileged and blessed I am in so many ways because transitions can be way harder than mine was right yeah and all of our parents have done <laughs> and all of our, crazy crazy right, transitions ex- exactly so let me <laughs> so let me also yeah feel that too. one day one night without blankets no problem right right <laughs> in the grand scheme of things come on like girl but oh you know it. i mean i wasn't we we feel what we feel yes right? well we're so happy to be back in your ears everybody we took a yes. little mini break and it's women's history month so shout out to women and very we excited about our them. guests very excited about our guests <laughs> all right y'all so with that we'll get into our wonderful interview Joanna, thank you so much for being on Tamarindo today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share a space with you virtually and talk with everyone today. Yeah. All right. So I want to get right into it. So one day you decided to get up and put up your first piece of art on a street in New York. What inspired you on that first day? And and walk us through how you got to that point. What was behind that fateful day? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I suppose I really did just wake up one morning and kind of medleyed everything together. So from the very beginning, take you back to the scratches and bones of this entire project. Um, Trump had just won recently, and I felt like a lot of people were having this kind of crisis of what has happened to this country and this very kind of new way of thinking um, and kind of really realizing what was going on around them, which was not a shock to me, but it was just the icing on top of the cake (laughs) for everything that was happening for me emotionally at the time that so many people just were so unaware of the state of what this country has always been. Um, And I really felt in those moments that as a person who has been undocumented, as a person whose family is undocumented, I felt a lot of anxiety and fear on top of the usual anxiety and fear. Um, But I felt like 
what I really needed in that moment, emotionally and then everything in every way, shape or form, I needed community and I needed to connect with people who had similar lived experiences. I think a lot of undocumented people and a lot of migrant folks have a lot of different experiences, but also a lot of us have very similar shared lived experiences. And I think it's really powerful when we come together and share those experiences, because for one, it allows us to remember and truly realize how connected we are and how we're not so solitary in those things, right? So I think for me, um, it came in the form of a SoundCloud link in the beginning of my project. I was going on SoundCloud and recording myself on my phone. <laughs> um, these like spoken word monologues of things and feelings and poetry. And I basically feel like I was just talking to myself and like editing like music and audio and playing on my computer. Um, but it wasn't anything that I felt like I seriously knew what I was doing. Um, so I initially started printing out these tiny, like four by seven picture size, little flyers of like my SoundCloud link. And I would like stick them to like, you know, telephone poles or whatever. And, um, so basically these were flyers like go and listen to my SoundCloud. Yes. Like it was it was like your your it was like a an audio blog essentially, right? right? right. You're like come and listen to my audio blog <laughs> where you were speaking about a lot of the things that that a lot of these these issues or how you were feeling around a lot of things that were happening in our country happening in our country, is that right? Yeah, and just in general in the life of people who lived out who have of a lot of privilege that kept them with this kind of like pink colored glasses or whatever. Right. Um, right. So, um, yes, it was essentially like, Hey, listen to the SoundCloud link. And, um, it just wasn't going to be my Avenue. It wasn't going to be my media. And also like, when you ask people, how likely are you to listen to a SoundCloud link that someone gives you? Uh, the chances are not very high. And the whole point is that I wanted to connect with people. So <laughs> that wasn't happening. Um, <laughs> I also just didn't have, the skills to like, you know what I'm saying? I just felt like this just was not what was going to continue to happen. Um, and then literally one day, I guess I woke up and I realized that instead of the little flyers of like the SoundCloud link, what I could be doing is essentially saying some of these things that I was saying, um, but through a poster on the street. Um, I was born and raised in Salvador till 2000, the year like 2000. And I grew up in the aftermath of the civil war. So I think for me, just, I grew up seeing a lot of political art, a lot of street art, a lot of like murals on the street and things of that nature. Um, and it definitely stuck with me and carried with me. And I, yeah, one day I just decided, I think that I'm going to try and figure this out. And then came the Google searches of how to actually do this because I also didn't know what I was doing. So very like DIY, waking up one morning and putting up one of my first posters.
Do you remember what that first poster was and where you put it and how you like, what was, what was it like? All right, this is what I'm doing. What was that? What was that day like? Yeah, it was a just regular standard computer sheet and it was just black text and it said, um, stop fetishizing black and brown bodies. It's like literally all it said. Yeah. Nothing else. Cause there was yeah. nothing else that I was like trying to, you know, I just barely knew what was going on <laughs> and, um, that was it. And, uh, I printed it out like at one of those like 35 cent copy stores, like underneath the train, um, in Ridgewood and, um, technically Queens. So I printed it out and I literally, I think I just put it up with tape at first um mm-hmm. because the just like regular like regular yeah, tape like, like adhesive tape shipping tape you know like yeah 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 because i didn't you know i had not then put everything together yeah but how did it feel that day because the, whatever you did that day it's, it felt it felt good enough for you to keep going and um so how how did that feel and also like did you ever imagine that it would have the kind of that day would have the kind of reach that, that you have now with the work that you do? Was that ever something you were, you were thinking about in that moment? Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I was literally using just like shipping tape on this piece of paper that had nothing else on it besides like a statement. And um, I had no concept of what would, of what that day would, you know, the kind of little seed that it would plant. Um, and it took like, I think, for me, it was just such an instant joy to be on the street, first of all, and then to be putting up my little posters, like what I barely knew what I was doing. Um, I think that day was so joyful and it just felt like something that I could now invest in as far as like my now figuring out how to actually do it. Um, yeah, for sure. That's the day that I then went home and started Googling things and like YouTubing, like I I literally didn't even have the language for what I was looking up. So I was putting things like what kind of glue do advertisements use on the street? Yeah. Um, And then I found like a video from Shepard Fairey. I don't know if you're familiar with Shepard Fairey. He's the Obey creator. He had like a really old video of making glue for the street from like the nineties, I want to say, or like super early two thousands. I don't know, but it was a long time ago. And yeah, I watched the video and I was like, Oh, I can make this. I don't have access to like whatever fancy, um, at the time it was like construction grade glue, but I can make like a simpler version. And it was literally just water and flour. And I went upstairs once I made the glue and I wanted to, um, find something like a surface to paste up like this little thing that I had just designed this little poster I had just designed and upstairs on the roof of my apartment when I was living in Ridgewood Queens were these kind of uh these wood panels that were like maybe 12 by 18 inches um and that's the first time I ever actually pasted onto anything with actual glue that I had made so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a very DIY, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, you mentioned joy that you felt joy that day. And, and I wonder if that inspired you to keep going. And it, it, there was joy. There was an ability for you to connect with other folks and, and to share your, your message. Right. Um, I, you mentioned that your platform is, is the streets. 
So I'm curious why you feel like why that feels like the right platform for you. I know um, it has to do a little bit with your background and how you grew up. Can you share with the listeners a little bit more about why the streets are, are your platform? Yeah, of course. Um, I grew up in the aftermath of the Civil War in Salvador, like I said, um, to a single parent. And I, you know, I say I essentially raised myself on the streets <laughs> with my little friends and, and the encounters that I had with like just being a child alone, literally just getting to navigate throughout the real life world. Um, I was like taking the bus by myself, you know, I think it's just a different world when you're living in the Salvador in the nineties <laughs> by yourself as a kid. So, you know, I was out there like riding bikes, hanging out with my friends, trying to sneak into the fancy movie theater, you know, like just really experiencing life. And as I got older, I think that I realized when I was outside, as I am a lot, <laughs> that I just genuinely liked being outside and walking around and taking in spaces that way, because it's what I did as a kid growing up mainly alone um, in the aftermath of a lot of conflict in my country. Yeah. Uh, what do you want folks to to feel or experience when they see your work? When I started my work, and like I said, for a little bit, I didn't know what I was doing. But once I started to figure out what I was trying to do, it became very quickly to me what this work meant to me. And at the time, I was pacing up and living in a space in New York City where so much of the outside public spaces that we all share are taken up by advertisements. So I wanted a lot of my work to be the complete opposite of the ad world, right? I wanted my messages to decenter a lot of the Euro standards that we have for life in general, not only beauty standards, but societal standards and every of the isms that we have issues with. A lot of those things are perpetuated by media. So right. I wanted my work to be the opposite of that. Um, so I wanted to center queer migrant voices. I wanted to center queerness. I wanted to center different points of experiences because I think so much of the things that we're subjected to, whether it be TV, film, whatever, comes from points of views that have had too much spotlight for so long, right? So for me, my work is about centering different narratives and centering them publicly so that mm -hmm. people are able to see them and have their own experiences with them. Even the people who the work is not created for have to encounter these pieces in the real world. And I think that that's also important is that to be faced with something that isn't necessarily for you um, and to also have the encounters where you feel like, wow, this is exactly for me. I feel so I, I feel this experience. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. I think that centering those narratives is also very important. Yes, I think that's so powerful. Thank you for for sharing that. I think a lot of a lot of listeners, I know for me as well, we grew up not thinking um, our voice was important or that we could use it or that we could have a platform or we grew up trying to feeling less than because we were queer, because we were immigrant, because we were whatever it is. Right. And I think 
you taking up space, you using your platform and continuing to do the work you do is, is really inspiring to to listeners. And it's something that's that's really important to us as as also folks that are also using our, our platform to give voice to, to just different voices. Right. What would you say to folks that maybe are, are wanting to, you know, express themselves creatively or through mediums and, and, and want to share more of their voice or their story? Um, what would you say to them? I think that every single one of us has something to share. I think that every single one of us has something that is important and we can put into our collective toolbox of experiences and, and things of that nature. Right. And, um, I always like to remind us that like, no one is voiceless. It's just some of us either don't want to go out and be speaking directly to people, but every single one of us has something to share that is very, Mm -hmm. very valuable. So I think for me, it's, if you feel empowered and if you feel inspired to share your story, there will always be people who find it valuable and who is, who finds it life-changing because to me, that's the, that's number one thing is that so many of us feel so alone or singular in our experiences. Um, but I think that we find that there's a lot, a lot of things that we go through collectively together, just separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's really true and really beautiful. And sometimes a, a lot of there's be times where we, you really think like, oh, I'm the only one that's having these thoughts or experiences. And, and you always realize there's at least one, one other. There's somebody else like you are not alone. And that's one of the that's, I think, one of the powerful things about choosing to share. But yeah, I think you you make a really good point about that's not we have different ways that we get to share our voice, our story, all of our stories and voices are, are powerful. But there are different ways in which we can share that and in which we can have an impact and and be in in community, right? Yeah. I mean, especially if you grew up with parents or folks around you telling you the things that we could and could not talk about, right? Right. Um, So, you know, when you grow up undocumented or when you grow up in between status and your family's like, don't tell people, don't, you know, always make sure that you're two steps ahead of people in this way. um, I think it's very alienating. Mm-hmm. especially when you know in the de eso no se habla houses <laughs> right you've been doing this since 2016 why do you still do what you do and and I'm curious how has it how have you grown through this work um and how has your 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 work evolved as well I still do what I do because I genuinely love and enjoy doing this work um it's completely changed my life and you know, you asked about that, that first day, that one moment that inspired all of this. And I would have never thought that that random moment would turn into something like this so many years later. Um, I've grown up with this work. I've grown into this work. And I used to think that a lot of the conception to creation of my work was very DIY. And as much as yes, there's a lot of DIY in it. It's also been a lot of community learning. And um, there's an artist who I learned this quote from her name's Monica. She's a Chicago based artist whose last name is flailing me right now. But um, they mentioned the quote about being community taught artist um, once. And I always kept that with me because I have learned in community with people. I have learned how to do things 
alongside people as well. And I wouldn't be in 2023 still able to do the work that I'm doing creatively if it weren't for other people uplifting me and supporting me in what I'm doing. So as much as, yes, I do this and I've done this alone, I also haven't done this alone. I've done this with thousands of people who have cared, shown interest, supported in any way, shape or form the work that I do on the street. How do you see it evolving? Like, what are you getting into now? How has it changed? Or what do you what do you see in, in the future of, of your project? I think for me, I've always tried to, to stay aligned to my beliefs as much as I can and also allow myself to continue to learn because none of us are perfectly evolved, perfect people, you know, right? And I think it's really important to remember that. So For me, I've just been allowing myself to grow into my work as my work grows, right? While Mm -hmm. also never wanting to feel like, oh, my work is bigger than me in this way that I now don't want to know exactly what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with, if that makes sense. I try to do things that allow me to go to sleep at night (laughs) and to feel good about what I'm doing. Um, and I also try to be, I also try to, you know, deep into myself, reach into myself and truly explore why I do what I do outside of these narratives that I feel like sometimes we get stuck in, in our identities, right? Like I've mentioned on being undocumented a few times in this interview. So who am I outside of these things? Um, Mm -hmm is really important to remember. So that all goes into my work and those checks and balances of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I appreciate that. That's so thoughtful. And I think, um, you know, what I get from you is that this has become what it's become because you were always trying to stay as connected to yourself and your mission in doing your work. And, And that's what it's, you were never like, oh, I'm doing this to you know, to have a bunch of followers or, you know, have my art here or there, you were doing what, like what you were called to do. And it, it, it sounds like you've stayed really close to that throughout this process. And it's just been kind of a natural progression of what you staying close to your, your mission and, and your values and, and what feels aligned with you. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to do that while also being a person who has to make a living and right, of course. pay bills and support my family and, you know, at times pay their bills. So it's like a very complicated and nuanced situation when you're an artist or when you're that person in your family who is doing things that they or you yourself couldn't imagine doing. Yeah, for sure. No, I know a lot of us feel that same sort of balance of, of that for sure. Um, okay, so we want to ask you, we, we like to ask our guests three questions to finish out our interviews. We like to ask our, our guests to share our mat- what they want to give a matraca to. That's something you want to give a shout out to that you're loving, uh, what you want to put in la basura. And then lastly, what's giving you calma, what's keeping you grounded. So what would you love to give your matraca to? I feel like I want to be super intentional about this. Um, 
Okay, so I was just recently at the Salvi Market in Pico Union, and I swear I wish I could just like send a collective blanket of warmth to like all the street vendors who allow us to feel closer to home through culinary experiences on the street. Mm. Um, so that's something that I really had such a beautiful and intimate experience like this past weekend with some friends introducing them to like foods that I grew up eating. So I really am so grateful that even in diaspora, we keep each other close to home. Um, yeah. Something as important as, and sacred as food. So all the love to them. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's so beautiful. I, I just I recently moved back from Mexico City and um, which is a it's a transition for sure. And I but I, I moved back to to I moved to Boyle Heights, uh, which is a largely Mexican and Latinx neighborhood. And so it, in, in a way, I feel like it feels like an easier transition because I get to speak Spanish so much and, and still just be around community and folks that remind me of of Mexico as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. What would you like to put in La Basura? I would love to put a lot of things into of course. La Basura. Um, but I feel like right now I've been witnessing a lot of just in general um, transphobia, um, a lot of homophobia, a lot of everything. And if it were up to me, I swear we would just put everything in flames and start over collectively as people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, have you been, it, it's just been feeling like very regressive recently, yeah, right? Like, is that how it's... A lot of just narratives and, and, and states doing abhorrent things um, with trans kids and... Yeah, it's been feeling very like it's I remember when when I feel like we 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 had this sort of wave of just so many reg regressive policies in, in the last few years. I remember I'm like, wait, is this is this really is this really happening right now? And then being surprised and I'm like, oh, let me read into the article. Is this really what I think it is? And then reading and, you know, or is this just like a headline that's like more extreme than the actual reality is and then and then actually opening the article and 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 it being pretty close to what the headline was and I'm just I feel like I have become less and less surprised and shocked yeah. by what's what's happening and it's and and my I, it's scary and 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 I'm and I think what I'm just trying to remind myself is like let us not be let this not this let let us not see this as something to be normalized but let us keep staying shocked and outraged by what's happening because once we start feeling like get desensitized to what's happening then we start we stop taking action and this feels like a really critical time to stay on the pulse and 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 stay and and, and continue using our voices right yeah and also you know really checking and examining how we're navigating those things within our lives and also with our loved ones and family members, right. you know, trans people in our families and trans people who are very close to us. There's that shock and outrage, sure, but how are we navigating those things within ourselves mm -hmm. and how we see things happening in our families too, right? Um, so always inviting us to, to examine that. Yeah, I mean, it's always an, an opportunity. And I think, yeah, for sure. Um, and lastly, what's giving you calma right now and, and keeping you grounded? So the weather has been very tumultuous here the past few days in LA, but I, I've also been really enjoying the rain and just kind of the moment to pause and just stay inside a little bit. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, I've been finding some calma in the rain mm. and mm-hmm. trying to be more still than usual. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I always think about when we, um, we have a reality that's like different than what, than what we're used to. It can be a little bit hard to be like, Oh, how, what do I do now? How this changes like what I like to do, but it's also an opportunity to see, okay, well, what does this open me up to? What are things that I normally wouldn't do that now this rain lets me consider, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just taking moments to literally just be. Yeah. 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 The the rain inspires some stillness for sure. And and stillness is where magic can happen is, is what I like to say. But um, Joanna, then I would just love to give you an opportunity to let folks know where they can find you, follow you, what you have coming up, what people can look forward to, how they can connect with you, all that, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. Uh, the Unapologetic Street Series is my main art page. I'll be doing some universities this coming spring. Uh, you can catch me in Stanford. I'll be going to Cal State and just a few different places. And I'm also planning a solo show. So see y'all in the spring then too. Hey, okay. So where can people find out about uh, where you will be uh, having your show or where you'll be speaking? Uh, is that through your Instagram or also website? Instagram, my website, the unapologetic streetseries.com. You can find free downloadable posters on my website. You can find a free downloadable wheat paste workshop. So you can literally learn how to make the same glue that I use on the street. Um, yeah, I don't update my website as much, but there's some really good goodies on there. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Joanna, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on Tamarindo and just for continuing to do the work that you do. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.